Do you want to be a radical for Jesus? Well, this is Pastor David, host of Restoring Your Voice, and that's what this show is geared toward. Geared toward everyday Christians to equip you for the good works of Jesus and live out your faith radically. And I hope you enjoy this episode of Restoring Restoring Your Voice. Alrighty then, welcome to this episode of Restoring Your Voice on Wednesday, February 15th. And for your information, if you're watching this not on YouTube, well, then you're missing out. Why Why would I say that? Uh, because I just got done doing a live Bible-based Q&A session. And that is a YouTube-exclusive event only. It's free. It's absolutely free. All you have to do is go to the, to the YouTube channel, and you can have your... Uh, questions answered about it so you don't you not subscribe but yeah hit, you'll want to hit the subscribe button so you get notified when i do these weekly q a's normally i try to do them every day same bad time same bad channel yesterday i wasn't feeling very well so thank you to all who prayed for me i'm feeling much better now but yeah if you have a bible based question of any kind anything within the bible anything we had great questions that that, that many people have uh, um brought up just right before this so you missed out so if you don't want to miss out go to my youtube channel all right and also hey if you like to chant if this is a blessing and as the lord leads you i know it's a tough economy but hey if you so desire you can donate all right just go right there right you see it you know right there on the screen or in the you know it's also uh the link is in the, the description whether the video description or it's the audio podcast you're listening to uh, it's my website, davidcmaguire.org.org. So davidcmaguire.org forward slash donate. All right. All right. Just economy stuff on all of us. And boy, we're feeling the, the pinch here over on my end. So it definitely use your help. Anyways, I want to talk about a revived lifestyle. I didn't say a lifestyle of revival, right? I didn't say that. And there was revivals always happening in our life. No, 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 no. What happens with us after revival? So I, I'm I'm using this in, in very broad terms. In other words, you could actually have attended an actual revival like the Asbury revival that's happening right now or revival that's currently happening in other places or the North Georgia revival or it's revival in your life personally. Yeah, that's not revival. Yes, it is. Yes, it absolutely is. It is in our life. What do you think revival starts with? Us. What do you think the Asbury started revival started with? One person. Starts with every single one of us. All right. And I did cover um a couple days ago now. So Monday's episode, uh, which would have been the 13th um of February. I covered all about this revival. What is revival? All of that. So if you missed it, go ahead and catch it and watch it right now or later on, either way. But revival, right? What is it afterwards? Do we just go to a revival and then we come back and we carry on like normal? We carry on like we never, like we didn't go there, right? There's no marked life styles. What I'm talking about, I'm talking about marked by Jesus. People who are marked by Jesus. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bring the scripture up on the screen here. I'm gonna be in the book of Acts. I'm, I'm gonna read to you from a man's testimony 
of what revival looks like, what it looked like in his life. And that man is Brother Paul. You say, well, Paul, you certain about that? And what is revival, though? All right, revival is simply us repenting. Revival is people repenting and either returning to God or coming to God. All right, we're talking about salvations, right? That's revival. It's not a weekly service. It's not just an event. It's not just what we see happening. It's more than that. It's something that marks people individually, not just an event. But each person should walk away marked forever, marked by Jesus. What does that look like? Well, I am so glad you asked. So I'm going to be in the book of, of Acts, uh, Acts 26. And this is Paul testifying here, giving his testimony. I, and, and as I read this, right, I also encourage you to study this passage on your own time. I want you to study it. So, yeah, I've assigned you homework. So go do your homework. Anyways, um, so starting in verse 12, I wanna, this is what Paul is saying. He says, in this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. Right? What authority was he going in, right? I reread earlier in the book of Acts. I, you know, he, so Paul's persecuting. He's living life as a sinner, right? We, we know he, he, said, he tells us that later on in the Bible when he said, the chief of sinners I, I am, right? Didn't mean he's a sinner right then when he was writing it, but he was trying to make the point that he was a, he called himself the chief of sinners, right? So, so Paul was a sinner, right? When he was on the road to Damascus. Right, he's already persecuted Jewish believers. Now he's going to Damascus to persecute other Jewish believers. Okay, just trying to give you some background here. He says, "At midday, O King, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me, or why are you sinning?'" Right. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. OK, so we got this background, right? You know, Jesus is not saying, no, Paul, you know, not only are you sinning. But you're sinning against me. You're sinning directly against me, the Lord, your God. OK, this is this. Just to give you an idea why Paul would have said the chief of he called himself the chief of sinners back then. Okay? He said, but continuing on in verse 16, but rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now check this out. Therefore, King, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, right? But declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and through all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds, in keeping with their repentance. Now let me pause here. This Paul basically took the fires of revival in his own personal life. Right? And he went out a man on fire. Man marked 
by Jesus. Now, of course, I'm not saying we all have to have this Damascus Road experience, right? We have to see a heavenly vision and hear, you know, Jesus speaking to us in an audible voice, right? No, it could happen, all right? It could happen that way. It's happened that way since then. But what the, the, the thing is, is not the experience itself. The thing is what happened afterwards, right? Because people claim they're believers, right? Mormons claim this. They, they claim this experiential thing, right? You know, if you don't know uh, Mormons, anything about them, right? They're told to go by themselves in a room and, and pray that they would get this warm feeling inside of them. And then when they won't get that warm feeling, then they know the truth, right? But the experience itself didn't revive a Mormon, right? That they're still a Mormon, right? They're, they're still part of a cult. So, so it's not that. It, it's it's the change afterwards, right? And I know you say, well, Mormons are missionaries. They, they go knock on da da da. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that. But they're not doing it for the Lord. They're not doing it for 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 God, right? They're they're, they're not. They don't have a a zeal. Believe me, I've dealt with plenty of Mormons, right? They didn't always. Come up to oh well, you you want to know about Jesus? Da, da, da. No, but Paul is saying here, right? What well, what's Paul saying here? That, that he was not disobedient for one. So a, a mark of, of a revived lifestyle is an obedient lifestyle. Mark of one marked by Jesus is a life of obedience, radical obedience, you could call it. But obedience, nonetheless. When the world says go left, you go right. When the world calls you an extremist because you hold to God's ideal of a marriage, you won't back down. Right? I just I just saw uh, an article yesterday of a police officer, right? Because he comes out against homosexuality and homosexual marriage. He was suspended, right? But instead of saying, you know what, I I I, I won't say any of that stuff anymore. All right, let me be a police officer. He resigned. Okay. Many people here in America today aren't willing to even mention anything in their workplace. It's a quote-unquote hostile workplace. Yet this, this young police, police officer was willing to give everything up for the name of Jesus. Gave up his job. Gave, gave up his income. All for the sake of Jesus. Why? Because it's obedience, right? The, the, the obedience that says you must deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me daily, Jesus saying to us. That's what that looks like in action. So, so if you're told not to, not to say those Christian things, right? Not to proclaim the faith, not to talk about any of that, then, and you decide to do that, you're living life of radical obedience. So that means if you don't, you know, say, we'll just, for instance, you know, there are people driving from all over the nation to Asbury, and by the way, other college campuses, this is happening at. So wherever you go, or maybe you went to a previous revival, maybe you went to the Browns or Brownsville revival, who knows? But you left, and now you do what the world says. You let the world silence you. Well, then you weren't revived. You may have had an emotional experience, but like I just told you, um, using the example of Mormons, an experience or emotional experience does not equate revival. What, what it just equates is an emotional experience. That's what it is. What, what makes it true is a lifestyle change, a life permanently changed. I didn't say perfect life, but at least changed, changed. And you, using my own life as an example, right? So I, you know, many of you know, I didn't get 
saved until January 2019, right? Some might, some might say that, but maybe I, I walked away from the faith and I, then I came back decades later. I, I'm okay with that one. But the point is I was living a life sinful. I was sinning. I did many, many, many sins. All right, not bragging on those. I'm just, just trying to get to you across the type of person that I was. And then Jesus, right? He marked my life. Personal revival in my life. Personal revival, right? Since then, I couldn't, I can't stop talking about Jesus, right? I have to talk about, not just here on camera where it's easy because I'm, I'm sitting behind a screen and we don't have like face-to-face -face interaction. No, I'm talking about little face-to-face -face interactions over these things. Con confronting uh, uh, Mormons, for instance, con confronting Roman Catholics, you know, trying to give them the get the gospel. You know, I mean, in other words, not hiding. Why? Is it because I'm so awesome? No. My life was marked by Jesus. And I refuse to back down and disobey when the world tells me to. I refuse to, to, to bow down to this abhorrent, quote-unquote, Respect for Marriage Act that was passed. Why? Because I'm so, no, because I am, I'm zealous. That's what it looks like in people's life. I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm just trying to tell you this is the type of person I was. Right? This is the person I am now. Marked by Jesus. No different than what Paul. Right? He spread it. He said, I got to spread this to everyone. I don't care if they kick me out of the synagogues. Right? Because, you know, if you don't know wherever Paul went, eventually, whether right away or a period of time afterwards, they always ended up kicking him out of the synagogues. Every single time. Every city he went to. And he wouldn't stop. He couldn't stop. Not just he wouldn't, but he couldn't. Why couldn't? Because he was marked by Jesus, the fire of God within him. Like, like Jeremiah said, right? He said, if I, if I, if, if I, I don't want to speak, but if I don't speak, it's like a fire in my bones, Jeremiah said. That that's that's what probably if I could take one scripture out of the entire Bible and tell you what would point to, to a revived lifestyle. That one from Jeremiah. It's a your word is it's a fire in my bones. It's a fire in our bones. A fire where we just can't back down. All right? Not that we're jerks about it. Okay, being a jerk is not a revived lifestyle. Right? Bashing people over the head with, with the Bible is not a revived lifestyle. Right? Being mean and nasty is not a revived lifestyle. Never mind a Christian lifestyle. You know, mocking other people is not it. You know, uh, um, you know, just just yesterday, I was seeing the nastiest nastiest of comments um, from people um, in regards to the charismatic people and other things. Now, now, whether or not some of those people are okay is is irrelevant. Okay, that that's irrelevant, right? But but when you say, oh, you call Sid Roth Sid Rot. Now now, whether you agree with what he says or not is neither here nor there. You, you agree with the show and the guest? Well, that's neither here nor there. That's just unloving, that's disrespectful, and it's just dead wrong. And it's not, it, it's not the sign of a truth lover. It's a sign of being a jerk. Okay, it's a sign of arrogance. Like mocking people, using using you know grade school names for people, insults. That's not the sign of a revived lifestyle. Jesus did not go around mocking people all of the time. 
Oh, you have little faith. <laughs> no, he didn't say it in that tone. He even when reaching out to the Pharisees. Yes, he rebuked them plenty of times, but he did it in love. He did, he, you know, he, rebuking the Sadducees, right? He was like, you don't believe in the resurrection, so that's why you're sad, you see. No, he didn't do that. Why? Because Jesus wasn't a jerk. Jesus' motivation was love. And if that's Jesus' motivation, then if we truly revived, that's our motivation. Our motivation is to speak the truth in love. We don't divorce one from the other. A revived lifestyle looks like a willingness, a willingness to speak the truth because we love, not because we want to prove how theologically smart we are and what seminar we went to, and I'm a pastor of this, and I'm going to... No, God forbid. But that happens all right, across, quote-unquote, Christendom in America. You see it all the time from people. Justin Peters does it all the time. Mocking and scorning, making the most outlandish of remarks. If God committed the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, that's how bad. That's not the sign of mocking. Look, I, I disagree with people on certain stances. I, I disagree with cessationism. But you, I just did a show on cessationism not too long ago. I think it was last week. Right? I wasn't there mocking them. I, I wasn't there saying, oh, no, they're so whatever. No. No, I don't, I don't agree with it. Right? It's completely unbiblical, but I'm not going to go around. My, what, what's that going to do when I mock them? Right? The old adage, right? You attract more flies with honey than with vinegar. Right? N nobody wants to be around a sour person. Nobody wants to be around a person who, who puffs up themselves and proves how greater they are than, than everybody else. And, and because you don't believe what I believe, then, then I'm better than you. Now, people don't say that, but it's the actions. Get what I'm saying here? That, that doesn't speak of a revived lifestyle. What, it, it's marked by, by change, radical change. Oh, man. Right? I, how about this? Let, let's, let's, go, let's go further down in, in Acts 26. See? Verse 24. And, and as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your alert, your, your your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I love this. I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I am speaking true and rational words. For the king knows about these things, and to speak, and to speak, ooh, and to him I speak boldly. There we go, got tongue-tied there. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice, and this has not been done in a corner. So he goes on to these things, right? Wonderful. By, by the way, this is after Paul was, was arrested, by the way. Um, but he says, no, what I'm speaking, right? What, what I'm speaking here, I, you know, look, he's before a king, right? He says, I speak boldly, right? Hope you can see that highlighted. I speak boldly. How about this? Can you ask it of yourself? Can you, can you ask, uh, can you say, I speak boldly? I'm not here to condemn anybody, by the way. Okay, that, that's not my that's not that's not the case here. But but can you say I speak boldly? Now, why would I why would I think? Because Jesus says, if you deny me before my father before men, I will deny you before my father in heaven. Strong warning. 
and a revived style looks like that, we will not deny Jesus before any man. We will, we will, we will not um, be willing to be silent. We will not be willing to be silenced, right? Look, look, brothers and sisters out there who, who live in America or the West. Look, there are people around the world every day, right, in jeopardy. Literally, but they won't stop. I just saw something on a post by Voice of the Martyrs. And in 2017, this man, bold for the faith, got kidnapped off the streets. Nobody knows where he is today. Nobody knows what happened to him. But that's not the point. The point being is he refused to back down. Why? Because his life was marked. Richard Vermbrand, tortured for Christ. If you've never read the book, read the book. Okay? This guy endured the most brutal of tortures. Like, if you think Nazis were bad, no, no, no. Communists went, went far and above when it came to torture. Yeah, Richard Vermbrand. It, it said that, that, that after his prison was done, after all this was done, that there were many prison guards, the persecutors, by the way, so they were persecutors, who came to Christ because of this. Well, of course, Richard Vermbrand didn't do everything perfect. I mean, I don't know how well I would have endured you know, such what happened, but yeah, there were times he got down, but he didn't stay down. He didn't stay depressed. A revived style. Yes, looks like somebody walking around with mental well-being. The, the, the depression, gone, never to come back. Anxiety, gone, never to come back. Whatever other mental ill health, and they're, you know, I, I just normally just name, name two of them, but, you know, I know there's more out there, Okay. And I think there's one tacked on every day here in America. But anyways, right? Why? Because we're on fire. What do we? What do we have to worry about depression or wrestle with, with it for when we've been marked by Jesus, right? That Jesus who said, "In this world you have you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world." Be of good cheer, right? That's the exact opposite of depression, right? The, the, the very things in the Bible, do not fear. Right? How many times even Jesus himself mentioned, do not fear. Do not fear, do not fear. So so we, we a revived style looks like fearlessness. Fearlessness. You don't know what's going to happen. You're, you're going through tough times. Believe me, I'm going through some tough times right now, my friends. All right, the struggle is real. I get it. Right, but, but we don't stay down. Oh, oh, we're going to get knocked down. We may stumble, but a revived lifestyle looks like somebody who doesn't stay down, right? Marked by Jesus. Why would we stay down? You know, I mean, a, a revived lifestyle looks like us saying, but these are light and momentary afflictions. Can, can we do that? That's where I'm preaching to myself right now. I kid you not. All right, I'm a, I got to say this to myself. These are but light and momentary afflictions, but it's all worth it for you, Lord. It's all worth it. A revived style looks like people who hunger for after God. A revived style looks like those people who put prayer as a priority. Those who love prayer because they love the presence of God. They, they, I mean, prayer is part of is is their lifestyle. Now I'm not putting a time limit on prayer. Please hear me. I'm not trying to get legalistic about it. I am not saying, well, okay, a revived style looks like you must pray for two hours every day. No, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But but you love to pray. Like you make it um, your mission to pray every day no matter what. Come hell or high water, you are going to pray today. 
Why? Because you love God. Hey, it doesn't go beyond that. Yeah, I'm sure you're going to pray for other people. Praise God for that. But it starts with loving God first. You know, Jesus, and they asked him the two greatest commandments. And he didn't put love your neighbor as you love yourself first. No, what did he put first? Love the Lord your God. <clears throat> I think that's another probably even greater scripture than the one I mentioned earlier about Jeremiah and the fire in, in, in our bones. But but and you shall love the Lord your God with what? Depending on your translation, right? I know I get Greek, Masoretic text, whatever. Anyway, you shall love the Lord your God, right? With all of your soul, spirit, and body. In other words, with all of our being. With all of our soul, our of our mind, right? All of our spirit and all of our body. We will love the Lord. That probably is the best one. That's probably the best scripture right there. That's a lifestyle because everything else comes from that. I mean, Jesus said the entire law and the prophets hang on these two. But we're not going to be able to love other people. We're not going to be willing to share the gospel if, unless we're on fire for God first. Once, once that happens, yeah, I get it. I get it. But it's got to happen first. That's what a revive. That's what revival is all about. Igniting a passion for whom? For an emotional experience? For the gifts of tongues? For prophecy? No, none of that. But a, but a great passionate love for God. That that's what it, that's what it's marked with. And then out of that we do these things. Out of that we're bold. Out of that we're willing. Not to be sons. Out of that, we're, we're willing to, to preach the gospel everywhere, no matter what the cost. We don't count the cost anymore. How about that? A revived lifestyle, we stop counting the cost. Why? Because we the words of Jesus are in us. That says, what profits a man to gain the world but lose his soul? We don't we, 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 we don't count the cost anymore because why we've gained it all when we have God. When Jesus is ours, all we have everything. It's the sweetest ever. What else do we need? Do we need money? Right? Do we need, you know, um, I was gonna say 18 dozen, but uh do an eight, 18, 18 eggs, right? You know, these days we get 18 eggs to rich. Yeah, that's a joke anyway. Right? No, man, I could I could lose my job. Then if I lose my job, all that. All, no, we don't count that anymore. Why? Because we have Jesus. Yeah, I get it. Difficulties. Believe me, I told you. I told you, experience them firsthand right now. But, uh, but I don't want to count the cost. I want to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. Right? That's a sign of of a revived lifestyle. Right? We keep our eyes fixed. On the author, the perfecter of our faith, like the Bible tells us to. No longer do we keep our eyes on things below. But as the Bible says, what do we do? We, we keep our eyes focused on what the things above. Certainly, certainly we, we, we become so heavenly minded. Now, I know people say, well, come so heavenly minded, you're of no earthly good. Ah, nonsense and rubbish. I hate that quote. It's a horrible quote. No, we become so heavenly minded that we're of the earthly best. Why? Because now we're doing what God commands. We're bringing his kingdom now. Right? We're, we're fulfilling your kingdom. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
That's what a that's revived lifestyle looks like. On mission, on point. Mission focused, mission oriented. Amen. We we oh I mean look, I know I, I say Matthew 633 is my like verse, right? But it's a verse for everybody. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else. I know I didn't quote the entire verse, so what does it mean? Everything else. No, because everything else will be added after that. No, 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 no. An unrevived lifestyle. A, a lifestyle that just, you know, wants to experience emotion. You know, revival chasers, conference chasers. Those type of people. Why do they constantly chase after these things? Because they haven't experienced true revival. That's why they go conference chasing after conference, right? They're conference addicts. Is conf conference crack. You know, the Christian crack is conferences lately, it seems. Not that conferences are bad, but why do I need to seek after a conference all the time when I can seek his presence day after day? I don't have to do that. Like I said, I, I don't see anything wrong with conferences in and of themselves. But when a person just constantly conference, 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 right? Conference, be, conference becomes a Christian crack. It's not revived. No, no. No, we're willing to minister rather than be ministered to by people. Revived lifestyle. We, we need more revived lifestyles. We need less conference chasers. That's what we need. You may be watching, and, and you're not that. You say, well, how do I get it? You know, well, maybe I need to go drive to Kentucky right now. No, you don't. Well, well what, what about over there? Maybe I need to go there. No, you don't. You don't have to. I mean, if the Lord leads you, then I'm not going to say no to that. But what I'm trying to get at is you can have re a revived lifestyle where you're at. You can have revival where you're at with lasting impact. I tell people, like, oh, how are you saved? I didn't go anywhere. I was in a tiny apartment in a red recliner in January of 2019, and I said, Jesus, I'm done listening to the world. I only want to listen to you. Boom. After that, everything changed. Why? Because it wasn't the words I said. It wasn't where I was at. It was the heart behind it. Maybe you are a Christian, maybe, but, but you're not feeling the fire anymore. It's not there. You were passionate, but whatever happened, happened. And it's gone up. Or it's, it's it's on simmer, right? Well, what do you do about it? Well, before you can get that prayer lifestyle like I talked about, you need to come before God. God, I haven't been living for you like I should. I haven't done what you've told me to do. I've become compromised. I've started, you are not my, I, you, I repent and forgive me for, for not, for you not being my priority. I put, I put other things above you. I made an idol into the Super Bowl and football and baseball or, or a movie or, or, or streaming service and streaming show after show. And nothing is wrong with any of those things I mentioned. It is wrong when they take the place of God in our life, when they become the priority. Because by the way, there's no such thing as priorities. There's only 
one priority. One. One thing can be our priority. It could be sports, movies, going out with friends, cars, work. Or it could be God. But it can only be one priority. And, and a, a revived lifestyle looks like something where God is their priority. They study, they hunger for the word of God. So we have prayer, right? But we can't separate prayer from uh, reading the Bible. I think I don't remember the quote, and forgive me for, for forgetting quotes. So who said it? But I didn't say it. I think it was Charles Spurgeon, perhaps. So I said, somebody once asked me, what is more important, prayer or Bible study? And I said, what's more important, breathing in or breathing out? <laughs> Check that out. That's awesome, isn't it? I said, I didn't come up with that one. But what's more important than, you know, than prayer or Bible study? Well, what's more important, breathing in or breathing out, right? So in other words, one doesn't, you can't do without one or the other. Uh, so you have a hunger. You have to read the word of God every day. You have to study. And I'm not talking about studying for like sermon preparation or maybe you're a professor and you have to put together a class. I don't know. No, you study the word to let the word do its work in you. You realize you're not done yet, right? We're not done yet. Yeah, exactly. Eric says, aren't prayer and Bible study two sides of the same coin? Exactly. 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 We study the word because it's the word of God. Because man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Man, we, 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 we that's just what a revived life, lifestyle looks like. We're on passion, fire for God. Why? Because we love God, not because we seek emotion. We 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 humble ourselves before God. We we hunger to hear from God. That's what you know. Prayer is often shouldn't be taught. Let me just say, prayer should never be taught. I don't think it should be taught at all. Let me just say that point blank. But when it because when it is taught, it's taught very badly. And most of the times, it's taught. It's us speaking to God. Wrong answer. That's part of it. But if part of the answer is wrong, the whole answer is wrong, right? No, it's also listening to God. It's having a conversation with God. That's what prayer is. Having a conversation with God. Point blank was, I don't believe I can hear from God anymore. Then God's not going to speak to you. But my Bible says that God still speaks to us today. Right? A revived style looks like that. People who hear from God. I'm not saying we all have to hear from God the exact same way. Please hear my heart. I hear from God primarily through him speaking to me in the inner voice. And him impressing things upon me and knowing you may be different with you, and that's okay. Okay, we, 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 but God still speaks to us today if we want Him. If we want Him to. That's what a revived style looks like. I'm willing to listen to God. I'm willing to do less talking, more listening in my prayer time. Did you catch me at what I said? I'm willing to do more listening than talking in prayer time. Look, the Bible says that before we call, God answers. God knows what we need anyways. Now, I know we need to 
get things off our chest and unburden ourselves and talking about it with God is, is great and nothing wrong with that. But what if we stopped coming before God with a laundry list of prayers? What if that was what a revived lifestyle looks like? Instead of a laundry list of prayers, we're willing to say, wait, 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 let's see what God wants me to pray about. Huh. We want what God wants, a revived lifestyle. We pray what God wants us to pray. We we want it. We want it. And we and another thing a revived lifestyle looks like is we don't make excuses anymore. When we sin, we stop the excuses. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, no wonder you 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 sin more and more. Because you think you're still a sinner. But we don't make excuses. Sin sickens us. And when we do do it, what we're, what are we what are we willing to do? Repent. Make right whatever it takes. Not because we're so awesome, because that's what God requires of us. We seek after his holiness. And, and anything less than his holiness will not do. There is no standard. We're, we're not willing to settle for, for a substandard life. We're willing to, 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 to go after his holiness. And we won't back down. And, and you know what else a revived lifestyle looks like? A, a revived person. A person on fire for God. I'm telling you what's going to come your way. Let me just let's forewarn you. Accusations of arrogance. I always see that all the time. You're so arrogant towards me and other people. Simply because we love the word of God and we believe what the word of God and we speak the word of God. And we, and we refuse to back down about and compromise about the word of God. We believe all of scripture. We believe in the sufficiency of scripture. Right? That's why I believe, that's why I'm a charismatic and say that the gifts are for today because of soul scripture because of the sufficiency of scripture but but a, a revived person is going to get labeled many different things arrogant boastful proud yet the revived person is a humble person that's how they got revived in the first place that's how they experienced revival in the first place because they were humble but i'm warning you what's going to come your way all right it, it's going to come come your way and it's okay i'm going to let you know. it's okay jesus said such things would happen to people Jesus said that. He said, rejoice when fact when it happens. And accusations get, get sent our way. Rejoice. I was just thinking earlier, I was like, I wonder what's going to come my way today. I mean, last week I got I got accused of being a, a known Jesuit, which whatever that means, I don't know. I didn't know, but apparently I'm a known one. My own wife didn't know. That's okay. What's going to come our way? And you got to know, rejoice when it happens. Re rejoice when it happens. It's not a bad thing. It's a praiseworthy thing. Let's say when we bring it on ourselves, because I talked about earlier about, about being a jerk. You know, being a jerk, like you said, you know, and then you get labeled as arrogant one because you're a jerk. Don't do that. Don't do that. But you're just you're just a person that, that's willing to speak what the word of God has to say, not be willing, but correct and rebuke, right? Which is part of teaching, by the way. That's okay if you get labeled a certain thing because that's all you're willing to do because you love people because you see error. Right? You just want to help a person along their way. A revived lifestyle also looks like you're not willing to have such stuff to do with certain people anymore. That's what it takes. What, what I mean, like an example in the book of Titus, right? 
a divisive person. One, warn them twice, a third time, and have nothing to do with them after that. That's what it takes. Why? Because because the Bible tells us not to have something to do with certain people. Then then because we've been marked by Jesus, we're like I can't have anything to do with them anymore. And not until they 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 come to Jesus or come back to Jesus, whatever it may be, whatever the reason needed. We, we, we become those who radically obey the word of God. Basically, in a nutshell. If I could sum up this entire 40 minutes that I've been talking, I would say we become radically obedient because we love the Lord our God with all of our mind, with all of our body, soul, and spirit. Boom. That's it. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. So, wrapping up the show. I appreciate everybody who watched. Don't forget to hit that like button, the click, clicky, clicky, click. Um, don't forget, hey, if you would like to, there's a way for you to donate. Very easy. Okay. Um, you can go into my website. There's a QR code you can scan there if you want. Very easy. I just let you know. Um, I, I said times are tough. Times are tough where I'm at, not gonna lie. I'm not gonna go into detail. I'm not trying to, you know, guilt trip anybody. I'm just saying times are tough, it's not easy anymore. Um, so, um, need your help. We'd like to keep everything going the way it is, but it's not easy. And, uh, I'll leave it at that. All right. As, as the Lord leads you, you know, if you, if you can praise God, if you're unable to oh, praise God anyways. Okay. Um, so anyways, I think we'll, uh, cut the show here. So be blessed everybody. Um, God willing, I'll be back with you on Monday. Um, at the end of the month, I'll be having Dr. Brown on again. And this time, he'll be live. So I'll be live with Dr. Brown on February 27th, um, the normal time uh, for the show, which is 4 p.m. Central. Um, can't wait to have him back on the show. And, and um, can't wait to have Dr. Brown live. So that way, you can ask Dr. Brown your questions. All right. Um, so my version, I guess, of Ask Dr. Brown, I don't know. Anyway, he, anyway, um, I really appreciate him willing to be back on my show. Um, last time he was on, uh, it was really great. And, and he talked really great about, um, the prophetic and stuff like that. Um, so I'll let you know, uh, as, as the day gets closer, exactly what the show is going to be about. Um, but Hey, it's going to be live. So anyway, that's a preview of, of, of what's coming up, God willing, at the end of this month, um, barring any anything. So anyway, with that, I'm going to cut this show off. And I say to you, be blessed out there in the name of Jesus. Be a firebrand. Be marked by Jesus. In the great name of Jesus, amen. Heaven, it's a